Hi, and welcome to Directors Animation Podcast. Today I have the pleasure to talk to the fantastic Lorraine Lorden. Lorraine is currently working as an assistant director on a feature film at the Cartoon Saloon Studio. Hi, Lorraine. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, So first things first, if you could tell us about your career path and kind of what led you to animation and eventually to directing. Um, It was kind of a roundabout way, actually. Um, As a kid, I always enjoyed drawing and reading books, and I was quite an introverted child. So, like, I took a lot of kind of uh, comfort in just these quite solitary activities, but as I was going through school, even though I was doing fine, all I really wanted to do was draw pictures. Um, so I kind of just assumed that I would go to art college. But, um, you know, like every art college, you have to do your portfolio. So after I finished secondary school, I went and did this one-year course, which many people here do, to build up your portfolio, kind of build your drawing skills and stuff like that. And another thing that was really wonderful about that course was the fact that you got to try lots of different kind of arts that you don't normally get to try and kind of find where, you know, your passions lie. But up until that point, I had no idea what animation was. And I met some really, really wonderful people there. And they were getting their portfolio ready to go to an animation course. And I was very excited by the idea of this. I was like, what is this? Um, And it just sounds like magic. And so I kind of did like a whole 180 and like totally dropped the art college idea and focused my my um my direction um turned my focus rather to to animation and then we ended up going to the the same college which was Ballyferma Senior College in Dublin and uh some of those people uh ended up being you know friends with that were for life and um one of the people was Nora Toomey. And so she went on to form Cartoon Saloon. And when I left Valley Farm Senior College, I ended up going to Cartoon Saloon. Um, and that kind of was how my career started. You know, um, at that time in Ireland, animation was quite a small industry. It was very artistic and very um, individual. There was no big studios. You know, Brown Bag, which is now a massive studio and a huge employer for Ireland. There was less than 10 people working there at the time, you know? And um, we have such an amazing thriving industry now. And I think we have like 40 or 50 companies. But at the time, um, Southern Blues has closed. Um, Murakami Wolf had closed. A lot of big employers had closed at the time. So we all kind of expected to have to leave Ireland to find work. Um but Tom, Paul and Nora had this very ambitious idea to make a feature film and set up this company. And because they had that idea and I ended up being one of those lucky people who came down there on the very, very early stages, it ended up that I actually got to spend more time in Ireland than I otherwise would have. Many people who left college at that time, you know, had to move abroad and, and have spent the rest of their lives working studios abroad. Um, whereas I've had a bit of luck of that. I got to stay a little bit closer to home, but I still got to do a bit of travel because I do love to travel. So I've gotten to work in the UK. 
I've gone to work in the Czech Republic, in Germany, and I've spent a bit of time in Asia as well, which, you know, was a really, really unique experience. That's fantastic. It's uh, it's really interesting, isn't it? When you think you want to do one thing as a sort of yeah. adolescent, as a teenager, and then something happens and it kind of takes you completely in different direction. But actually you find out that that's what you were meant to do all along. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing was, um, because all I wanted to do was draw, I actually wasn't all that interested in like the painting or stuff like that that came afterwards. So um, for animation, that meant that I actually got to do the bit that I liked, you know. Um, and the the other funny thing about it is, because as a child, I had no idea what animation was, that it was drawings on paper. But I used to always be really drawn to Disney films and like Tom and Jerry and stuff like that. And I would draw um, stills, frames from the from um, from cartoons. And I had no idea that someone else had drawn them before so I found that really ironic looking back how it felt like it's where I'd always been meaning to go I just didn't realize it until later you know so that's yeah. kind of funny looking back yeah you were practicing way before <laughs> you actually realized you were practicing yeah for sure yeah <laughs> and um, once you joined Curtin Saloon and then you mentioned you worked in different countries, can you tell me a little bit about kind of the different roles uh, that you've done uh, since? Uh, well, I started out um, in cleanup, which was very common, I think, with the, you know, with hand-drawn. There was very much like a system of where you start in cleanup and then you become an assistant and then you become an animator and a lead. There's very much a, a kind of a defined track that you, you would t have taken at that time. I think it's changed a little bit now, but um, but I'm kind of glad. I find that I had a really, um, really good opportunity to learn from the people that I was kind of, you know, in the shadow of. So um, I kind of, I'm kind of glad that I had that experience. And I kind of feel that, you know, in some ways that the animators coming out now that don't have that are sometimes missing out on this kind of chance for education from these experienced people who just have so much knowledge to bestow, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. But so I started in cleanup. I was actually doing... Um, character cleanup and effects cleanup and then I became an effects animator um, which you know effects animators are actually quite difficult to find and so I kind of fell into it for the secret of Kells mm. um, yeah so and but at that time as well we were also we were such a small team um, we were looking for creative solutions because um, you know Looking back on the Secret of Cows, there was just two of us and there was so much effects in it and there was, you know, big sea storms and like these amazing uh, creatures in the storms and, uh, um, you know, animated pages in the Book of Cows. And so we were at that time, like really looking for innovative ways to kind of get as much as we could done with our small team. Um, and that's kind of when we started getting into like digital solutions. So we were looking at things like Flash, and we discovered a program called Moho, which Cartoon Saloon actually uses now, and they use for their TV series, Puff and Rock. Um, and they've continued to use it actually in all of their feature films to support the hand-drawn side of the film. So, um, you know, there's very, it, it was a great introduction because, you know, I wasn't under pressure, but it, it's kind of, you know, 
a lot of people will say with small budget films, you have to find creative solutions. And sometimes, you know, you never know what you stumble across. So we stumbled across Moho, which ended up being a very important part of our, our kind of kit as going forward. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I, I agree completely. Sometimes when you're put under kind of limitations, that's when their creativity really, you know, starts. And um, you mentioned that you worked as an overseas supervisor, as an overseas animation director in, in quite many different countries. So um, this is an aspect, I think, the whole, whole outsourcing and kind of working with remote studios that is very rarely talked about as part of directing practices. It's usually about ideas and creativity but a big part of especially tv work nowadays is working with remote studios in in kind of various degrees so could you tell me a little bit about your your work with overseas studios and uh, maybe a little bit about how how do you build that kind of creative still creative relationship even if the studio is like you know eight hours away on the other side of the world <laughs> Uh, well, actually, um, what happened with me was that I ended up um, going on location to the studio. So the studio that was eight hours away was actually the Irish studio, <laughs> 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 uh, which actually was quite tricky because um, we were working on a TV show uh, called Joe and Jack, and it was in Moho. And um, we were working with two studios, actually. And... One was based in Kuala Lumpur and the other one was based in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. So what ended up happening was that I went over to the studio in Kuala Lumpur initially and, you know, we talked to the team and we talked a lot about animation. They had an in-house um, head animator who was basically my liaison and I spoke with him mostly. And even though the, the, other, the team was very open, you know, to talking to me and asking me questions, just by virtue of, you know, um, language barriers and kind of just to kind of maintain that, you know, uh, Han Shen was, was the name of, of my liaison there, that he was their go-to person, you know, and it just meant that there was no kind of miscommunication or, you know, that everyone was in the room was aware of everything that was going on. And I think that's important, you know, whether you're in the same room or whether you're across the, the country, across countries, you know, communication is really, really important. And, you know, just everyone in the room being aware of what's going on and what the goal is. And, um, you know, because with animation, you tend to have a room and whether it's five animators or 50 animators, the goal is that we're all making something that looks like it was made by one person. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, you know, it's, it's good to have that kind of open dialogue and try and have everybody as aware of what everybody else is doing as possible because it just makes everyone's life easier and everyone understands you know why you're doing something in such and such a way um because sometimes if you say to someone oh can you just do this they're they don't understand the, the bigger picture of why this needs to be done in a certain way and i think it's really helpful for them to go forward if you say oh we need to do it this way for this reason mm -hmm. you know um, and it's not always easy, you know, you're stuck for time and you're on and, you know, there's maybe five other people you need to talk to after this. Um, so sometimes it is hard to main maintain that kind of dialogue. But I think it's really helpful if you can, you know. Yeah. Um, so the 
when I moved to Phnom Penh, then to the other studio, that was a really unique experience because that studio was actually just setting up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it was run by an Australian man, and he was really interested in developing the arts in Cambodia. Um, so part of the thing was he was very, it was very important to him that everybody that was working there was paid a living wage and that they were receiving training that would help them move forward in their careers. And it was, it was a unique opportunity for, for these people because a lot of their peers would have been saying, oh, this, you know, the arts is kind of a waste of time and money, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, you know, this, it did seem possibly frivolous when you're on the broad line. Uh, but he was really trying to open up the minds of people that the arts is val- valuable, that it's a valid career choice, mm-hmm. and that it's something that you actually can pursue as a career. So that was a really unique perspective, and it was really nice to be there on the ground at that time. Um, and, you know, I kind of feel that it was a special time for me because I got to help train people. I got to work with translators and um, just meet just a wonderful team um, who were really, you know, it was ambitious. It was such an ambitious project, but, you know, they started small and they're still going several years later and they run training programs and uh, they have developed um, programs where you get certification. They've joined up with a college in Singapore so the things that have started there with such small beginnings have, you know, over year over the years grown bit by bit, and uh, they've gotten an extra um, another space. So they've um, and they've gone on to work on films like Funan, which mm-hmm. has the Cambodian connection. So I think that's wonderful. Um, and yeah, they worked on uh, another film as well recently, Bonwell. So they've, you know, they've gone on to great things. Um, and it's really nice for me to think that maybe I was contributed in some small way, you know? Yeah, you were there from the start. Yeah. No, fantastic. With working with remote studios, I mean, one of the things you mentioned, the key is communication. And sometimes that requires um, quite a lot of prep time from the directors because you kind of need to know everything about the project in order to communicate it. So yeah. do you think those kind of experiences on communication and brief has helped you uh, in your current work. Um, is there anything you can take from that experience into working with people within the studio in the same place um yeah it was i i've to be honest i've kind of worked with a lot of people for a long time so um you develop a shorthand and you kind of get to know oh you know they're not going to go for that (laughs) you know so you kind of get a little bit of insight into people but um you know so that when i'm going forward now I'm, i'm when i'm working with people that i've worked with before I'll kind of almost know what they're going to say before they say it, you know. That's very <laughs> uh, <fair> key, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you never know. They might throw you a curveball. So I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't expect that one. Um, so it's good. They keep you on your toes. But uh, sometimes you can anticipate. But still, um, I try to keep a, an open mind because um, every project is different. Every director is different. And... Um, Every team has a different dynamic. And I think, you know, it does get easier when you're working with the same people time and time again. I think that's quite a unique opportunity that you might only get actually on TV series where 
you know, they run for quite a long time. And um, over time, you start to see the patterns and um, kind of like, oh, that's that's the thing that that they're really particular about. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that they favor. And you start when you get to spend a bit more time with people like on something like a TV series, it gives you more of a chance to kind of develop this uh, amazing working relationship. Um, I, when I worked on the short, it was quite different because I had to work with a lot of people who were, um, you know, spread around all over the place. The modern technology allows us to do it, but it, it is a different sense to having all that group in the room and being able to kind of like just say, oh, let's try this and let's try that. There's a little bit less spontaneity, I would say, when you've got to depend on technology for sending files or receiving files and, um, you know, scheduling phone calls and stuff like that. But it's still amazing that we get to work with so many talented people and it doesn't matter where they are. That's the upside. That's true. Yeah. No, I think both both, uh, you know, both methods of kind of working and directing have kind of different challenges. But it's true about the energy with having the team in the same place. But, you know, all the kind of cultural enrichments that come with working with another country is also extremely beneficial. So moving on to your uh, role as an assistant director, that's that's really interesting. And um, you you mentioned to me that, you know, it really depends that role. It really depends on the project again and the director that you're working on. So maybe if we start with just what is an assistant director? What is your job? What is your everyday kind of uh, role? And then maybe some of the differences that you have noticed it's kind of being the kind of eyes and ears in the room of the director because they have got so much to do and they um they say oh can you make this happen or like i like this one and i feel like again it comes down to communication because you know we go into a room and we say oh this is the background i like and this is uh and then they go from this location to this location and it's what i find um, in my current role is that my responsibility is to make sure that that information goes to all the department heads and if something needs to go from one department to the other that it goes smoothly and that the information is all conveyed from to everyone that needs to know it. So I think it kind of comes back again and again to communication. I have been an assistant director on a TV series and on a feature film and um, they have been slightly different experiences, um, but, you know, equally valid. I think, you know, working on TV series is just a crazy pace. Um, and I, I do think that one person couldn't do it alone. So I do think that uh, the assistant director role is really important in that case. Um, I know that even on some TV series, they have episodic directors because there's just so much going on. Um, but it was a really enjoyable experience for me to to do both. I'm in the middle of of making a feature film right now, so um, time will tell how that turns out. But um, I I do love the fact that in my role as assistant director, I actually get to speak to so many people every day. You know, I get to talk to all the department heads, and um, I get to see. Um, a lot more progress than if I was, you know, just in one department. So it's kind of in a nice place to see because I maybe get a better overview than some of the other department heads about, oh, this is going really well over here and we've got this much done already. Um, so 
it's a pretty nice place to be. I like it actually. Because you you must have an overview of the project, right, all the time, but yeah. also going into quite a lot of detail as well. Um, and you mentioned a little bit about your personal projects. I'm I'm always curious about kind of directors working uh, on their own projects or having hobbies because I think it's really good. But I'd like to hear it from you as well. Um, kind of what perhaps why is it important? Uh, maybe it's not important. Maybe it's just because there's so much creativity and fun to be had with personal projects. So tell me a little bit about yours. Well, I find it really difficult to work on more than one project at one time because I throw myself so completely into a project. Um, but the my short film that I made, A Cat Called Jam, I actually had been carrying around this idea for a really long time. Um, more than 10 years ago, I went on a backpacking trip. I took a year out and, you know, I traveled in Asia and Australia, you know, the, had a really, really wonderful time. And I had to come home and, and mentally I wasn't quite ready yet, but I had this idea about this cat called Jam. And um, I kind of tinkered with the idea for a long time after I came back, um, but I'd never written anything. And I was kind of daunted by the task. So I just took loads of writing classes um, from different teachers. And I took took one course that was one night a week for five weeks. And I took another one that was like an intensive three-day course. And I did a one-day course with somebody else. And I just did all of these courses. And kind of every time I was doing them, I was trying to refine the idea and refine the idea. Um, and at the end of, of one, which was, more of a workshop than um than a kind of a technical writing course. I had a script, um, a really <laughs> roundly bloated script, but I had a script and I had a story and I, I had a character and it changed many times again after that, but I had something at that point which I could, I had a, a ball of clay that I could mold, you know? So that, that was really important that I had that starting point. And I kind of, for me personally, I needed those classes, that commitment of, you know, giving that exercise every week of write a few pages and we'll read in the class and like give feedback. And that was, that got me my first draft. And once I had that, then I found it easier to go back and look at it from more technical standpoint, which I had done in the other screenwriting classes. So the combination of like the very kind of technical informational classes served me very well after the workshop had gotten me my ideas and fleshed it out and helped me figure out who my characters were. So then um, after a few more rewrites, um, I actually applied for a fund that we have here in Ireland. Screen Ireland um, runs a, a, a program called Frameworks. And it has produced many, many wonderful films over the years. Um, not least recently, Late Afternoon from Louise Bagnell, who's also in Cartier and um, And so I put it in there and I was really, really, really happy that they were able to support my film. And so I kind of went back to the drawing board. I had some, had done some development already because we had to, you know, show our vision, you know, and, um, I had been very, very lucky to work with some really, really talented designers. And uh, I just kind of 
eased my way into it a little bit because I was still finishing a project. Um, so I kind of ramped up slowly because I feel like if I had like thrown myself in, I might have been too overwhelmed. So I just started very simply. I kind of worked on the design of the world, you know, like so picked some of the locations, some of the other characters, and kind of, um, you know, dipped my toe in first <laughs> before jumping head first in. And, um, and then I had a break in work. And I, at that point, I did classic Lorraine and like jumped in both feet and um, just spent every every hour working on it. And I think I think every director, um, no matter who they are, is always thinking about it. Even if you're just going out for a walk in the evening, you know, your your film is your baby. <laughs> you, you never stop thinking about it. So, um, but after after a year of working with loads of people who were you know, located in all these different places. I didn't have a studio space to invite everyone in, unfortunately. But um, but we had, like, I had wonderful conversations with people and the world formed, the film formed. Um, and we, we've got it finished now and it's hopefully starting its festival run. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a strange time in the world with festivals, so... I'm really not sure what's in store, um, but no matter what happens, I just I'm amazed that we have made this thing, you know. <laughs> so it's the incredible part to actually, you know, short films are so tough. You know, you have to find the money and the time. <clears throat> you're doing so many roles at the same time without yeah. the infrastructure of a studio. So it's incredible. Like celebrate the fact that you have. A <laughs> And the festivals will come. This yeah. interesting times that we're all living will pass. <laughs> and yeah. I, I really, I really hope to catch it in in a festival somewhere around the well, world. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. There's the at the festivals at the moment. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. For I mean, they're having such a difficult time at the moment. Um, and I really feel for their position. You know, at the end of the day. I'll still have my film next year. I can put it into another festival. So I, I kind of really hope that things work out for, for the festivals as well, you know, because they're, they're such an amazing support to artists. You know, we make these films for people to see them and these are our avenues, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I hope for the best. Yes, no, I'm sure. Um, and as a as a kind of a plus last question to wrap up. Um, so uh, the the people who might be listening might be just starting out in their career, and they might be interested to go into animation or directing. So, is there any kind of um, lessons or uh, advice you might have learned that you'd like to share? Um, I don't know. I I. For me personally, I like to read a lot. Um, I find that really useful because something that's really interesting about reading is that you use your imagination and you create the world. Um, when you watch something, you're watching the creation of someone else's imagination. And I find it a really useful exercise when I read something to think about like the world that I'm reading about and it's it's a really creative exercise so that's that's uh, for me I think that's kind of what directing is you know what I mean mm -hmm. you 
you create a world in your head and then you ask everybody else to see it. And I think that's what you do with your team. You ask them to see the world that you've created. And then we try and show the rest of the world as a team, you know. So um, it's kind of, it's, I was going to say it's contagious, which is an <laughs> ironic choice of words. But, you know, so, you know, I I share my idea with another two people and they try and communicate it to another couple of people. And then as a team, we try and see the same vision and then communicate it further so yeah that's a very that's a great tip uh, and advice because it's it's very practical but it's very creative <laughs> at the same time so love it so uh, i'm sure i'm sure whoever is interested to go into direct and they can take that and um, find some interesting stories to read um well that that's it for 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 our interview thank you so much it, it's been a really pleasure to talk to you thank you for all for sharing all your experiences and uh, your roles and it, it's been it's been fascinating i've learned a lot thank you oh thank you so much <laughs> thank you and this is it for season two five more episodes five more fascinating directors thank you so much to all my guests uh, i want to thank signe will richard eric natalie and lorraine for coming on the podcast and for sharing their experiences their creativity and their paths with us thank you so much to all you the listeners I really hope you have enjoyed season two and perhaps have found something interesting and useful to take into your own practice. I'm hoping to be back in 2021 with season three. In the meantime, if you have any feedback or suggestions, you can get in touch via my website, afgustazorelidi.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please do consider reviewing it on iTunes as it really helps the podcast to reach even wider audience. I'm wishing you all a lovely and restful spring and a fantastic summer. I hope that things will get back to normal very soon and we'll all be able to make even more great shows. Keep directing, keep being creative. Many thanks for listening and bye for now. <laughs>